What's going on, friends and family? Thank you so much for watching Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, another great day, another great episode, and a great interview ahead of us. But before we get into it, I just want to start off and thank each and every one of you guys for tuning in and watching the show and uh, you know sharing it out and giving us thanks. I appreciate it. If you guys would like a free sticker, uh, it's hard to kind of see it. There's a sticker right here. I will send you a free sticker. Just uh, send me a message you know, through uh, one of the platforms, and I uh, will gladly send it to you for free. No problem. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into my next guest. He served his country proud in the United States Marine Corps. He was a scout sniper with combat deployments and decided to write a book about his experience while being in combat zone in Iraq and how life has been since being retired from the Marines called Terror to Triumph. Let's meet a real hero, Chris Whittemore. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on, Chris? How you doing, man? Good, good. Just living the dream. Uh, getting to um, just enjoy life, you know, and it's uh, lucky to be here in one piece. So it's uh, every day is a good day. That's right, brother. And that's uh, how a lot of uh, veterans that uh, been through some shit look at it, right? I mean... It is 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 blessing to have uh, all of our limbs and our, you know, breathing and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, no issues with that yet. So it's a uh, you know knock on wood. So it's uh, uh, yeah, it's just besides the heat of uh, Texas, everything is golden. <laughs> yeah, man, I bet it's getting pretty hot there in Texas. Yeah, it's um. Uh, it's been like in the one fourteens, just mainly oh, the humidity. Yeah. The humidity is yeah. like a hundred percent. It's just like my gosh, taking a shower. One fourteen with humidity. Good. Yeah, it's like an oven. I mean, it's it's great for. Uh, I don't have to go to the gym and like sit in a sauna. I just go outside <laughs> and hang out for a little while. It's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> save myself a little bit of money and travel time. I can just go right outside, and it's all good. <laughs> nice man all right well hey chris why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself man what do you you know what made you join the marine corps tell us about your marine you know experience and uh what you've been up to all right uh yeah i grew up in a military family um everyone was either in the army the navy um i knew i would, didn't want to be in the army definitely knew i didn't want to be on a ship um so i wanted to uh do something different um so the uh the Marine Corps was um, my uh, grandfather, um, who has passed away back in 2008, right after getting back from Iraq deployment, was actually on Pearl Harbor um, and actually was a Silver Star recipient. Um, and wow. he was he wanted me to join the Navy, you know, following his footsteps. But, you know, he understood I had to kind of do my own thing and make my own way. So back then in the, you know, the late nineties or, or I'm sorry, early nineties, 95, when things were simple, you know, nothing was really going on during that time. Joined uh, the Marines, got stationed in Hawaii, um, just loving life, had the great, had a great <laughs> time. Uh, couldn't ask for a better duty station. I mean, Hawaii, for God's sake, it was like, yeah, oh, my uh, gosh, uh, I'm right. getting paid to live in the tropics. Uh, yes. Where do I reenlist? Let's go. You know, and, <laughs> Uh, did that for my first four years, uh, decided, you know, young and dumb. I was like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to make a million dollars. And so I ended up uh, moving down to Houston, Texas with my uh, wife now of 23 years. We just celebrated 23 in December, wow, um, which I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better, uh, <clears throat> better woman to go through 
like the deployments and the the chaos and the everything in between. Um, she's been a rock. Um, we ended up uh, getting out, becoming a um, you know those drill instructors you saw like on the uh, talk shows. They would come on and start yelling at the kids and all that. Um, got to do that yeah. for about two years, which was a lot of fun. Is that right? Uh, no shit. Got got to like yell at them. We'd go uh, <laughs> pick them up straight, at, like type deal. Yeah, we'd pick them up at the jail and we'd take them um, <clears throat> to the boot camp. Everything was red and gold, and um, we ran them through just like a Marine Corps boot camp. They had a like intake. They had to pass like an indoc before they could like start training, and like it was just like Marine Corps boot camp. It was awesome. Um, and after that, though, I realized you know what, I need something a little more chasing the adrenaline junkie stuff. Um, so I became a Texas state trooper, um, ended up going up to Northeast Texas working wrecks. Like that's what troopers do. They just work wrecks, you know, all the time. And I just, I couldn't take much more of the, um, work in the wrecks, death notifications, putting the people in jail. By the time I was done with paperwork, they were bonding out. I just, you know, had enough, um, Coincidentally, during that time was the uh, the initial um, the initial push in 03 was going on as I was going through that academy. So knowing I still had a lot of friends still in and, you know, in the infantry, I was like, OK, um, you know, constantly watching the ticker tape, constantly watching, you know, the TV, what was going on, what was, you know. So um, in 04, I finally said, you know what, talked to my wife. I said, I, I'm not a good civilian. I'm a better Marine. I want to go back in. I want to. Um, you know, do that until I retire. And she's like, all right, if we go back in, you have to stay till you retire. I was like, fair enough. And so I did the stupidest thing. I went down to the recruiter's office. I said, I don't care the job, the duty. Mm. I just want back in. Those recruiters started like salivating at the mouth. They're like, oh my God, manna from heaven. Did you hear that? Like, he's like, can I have them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm probably like, They're all uh, fighting for you pull in the ring, you know, like trying to, be. and, uh, ironically though, they said, well, since you were a Marine, you know how to do paperwork. So sit there and they had me do all my, uh, reenlist, you know, back in the Marine Corps paperwork and drive myself to MEPS and everything was like, they're like, you were a Marine, you know what to do, go, you know, they, um, which was awesome. And, uh, sure enough, the order, the thing came back. They said, yep, you're back in. You're going to be a, uh, in the infantry and you're going to 29 Palms, California. And of course, the first thing we're like, where's 29 Palms, California? Like, what is that? You know, I, I never, oh, I, was, I was in Hawaii, yeah. you know, now oh, I'm going to Oh my gosh. Wow. You, it, it, what you went from like basically heaven to hell. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? Damn, no, and, and as, as we're driving out to the stumps, my wife was in the lead vehicle. I was behind her. She calls me. She's like, where are you taking me? I said, I don't know. Just keep, you know, driving straight. We're going to find it eventually. And then, you know, you pass the, you know, Charles Manson desert landscape over there and all that other stuff, you know, out in nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden right, you see the yeah. small little stumps airport. And then you start coming into the town and you're like, oh, we made it. And then you realize like, what the fuck? And, um, coincidentally the unit that i was assigned to was still um still in iraq they would be coming back in september this was probably uh, beginning of august so we'd be able to kind of see you know what's going on uh and there's not a whole lot to figure out in that place it's one main road to base 
the bars and tattoo shops on both sides. It, it, it's a it's a marine base. What you know, whatever. When you come back in, what rink are you at this at this time? Uh, I came back in as a um, oh god, what was I? A lance uh, lance corporal. So I okay. got out as a corporal. Uh, came they, back oh in man, a, they made you come in as a Lance Cooley, huh? Because you were out that long. Yeah, because I was out for a while. three years or something like that, or yeah, and I think they it's said three being, years, right? Being a corporal is different now, and I'm like, whatever, oh, like fuck shit. off, you know, shut yeah. up, you know. It's like, yeah, nah, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they, um, you know, met a bunch of cool guys who um, were uh, wounded, or you know, the the advanced party that just came back and all that stuff. And um, surprisingly enough. Um, one of the guys that I had um, in the adult side of the boot camp, like yelling at the adults, it was like their that uh, first time felon get out of jail free card. You know, uh, he was actually one of the guys that I had as a drill instructor in the in the uh, probation boot camp. He actually joined the Marine Corps because of he said like I was his inspiration, and I'm like, wow, you know, like that. No what do you Damn. what do you even say? And he ended up deploying to Iraq, came back. Um, he was shot in the shoulder. He was shot like three times, but he was, you know, he's going to be fine. But I was like, Oh, you know, and I said, well, wow. this is, this is what I love about the Marine Corps. It's a smallish branch. You're going to run into people you, you met once you're going to run into them a thousand times and you're going to be like, Oh my God. And and it's going to be just like you saw each other yesterday. It's just the way it is. And, right. uh, yeah. Cause there's not a shit ton of places to be stationed at when you're in the Marine Corps, especially depending on your job. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, Pendleton stumps East coast overseas. Basically. Maybe. Yeah. That's maybe it. Florida. If you're like a air winger or something, but uh, yeah, yeah. Other than that, you're, you're done. And, uh, Oki, Okinawa. Uh, oh yeah. The, the, the sauna, um, yeah. the damn son over there too, too. Yeah, I never made it over that way, but I heard a lot of stories. Oh, oh, oh. and they're probably all true. And there, yeah. there's some stuff that you know you see the over shows there, and, and you oh, know yeah. what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, same yeah. thing over there because you just you don't want to bring that stuff back. But uh, yeah, no, the unit finally got back in September. Um, I was assigned to a heavy, you know, weapons platoon. I was going to be a 50 cal gunner and all that other stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I've been there, done that. That's what I did the first four years. So I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this again. I've been there, done that. Um, You know, got the t-shirt even. I I don't need to do it again. Well, as luck would have it, the scout sniper platoon was losing a bunch of people. So they're like, Hey, we're going to have an in-doc in, you know, two months or whatever. Anyone who's interested, you know, come out and, and do that. And doing an in-doc, in the summertime in the 29 palms for a, a sniper platoon stupid idea like it's just it's not a good idea and uh but i ended up passing three days of misery um and uh ended up you know uh, getting put on the, the uh the teams and then what was that september and then uh in so for one year and then we we're heading to ramadi iraq uh, in 05. Um, and that was, uh, during the elections, they've never had an elected official. They've never had, um, any of that stuff. So it was the wild West. Like they blacklisted the city in 05 because we had like a Cobra shot down in the city. We had, um, just countless people getting, you know, hurt, injured sniper, you know, chesty and snipers operating all over through the city. 
I mean, it was it was just the Wild West, you know. And um, going over there, I was like, okay, yeah, we're in a combat zone, you know, whatever, cool. Um, it, it'll be what it is, you know. We'll see what happens. Literally, we hadn't even done the relief in place yet, and we were walking to the uh, the Chow Hall, and a group of guys stopped at the little Hesco barriers to smoke a cigarette. We were like, eh, you know what? I'll smoke later. It went on to the chow hall. Well, when you go in the door, you hear this big kaboom, you know, thinking, okay, it's counter battery. It's, you know, whatever. Um, well, as lo- as I don't even know the right word is, is fate would have it. I guess the, um, in uh, a rocket attack from the enemy landed right at the Hesco and killed everybody. Like, uh, like we weren't even there uh, maybe four days in country. We might have been there for four days. Um, and we hadn't even started the relief in place yet. We're like, holy shit, you know. And we ended up losing in that deployment probably 15, 15 or 16 guys. And, wow. you know, count, countless, uh, countless wounded. I mean, it, it was just, it was insane. We had, uh, you know, a Cobra attack helicopter get shot down. We had... Um, you know, the chesting snipers operating around. We had uh, Army Bradley vehicles that got um, uh, IED that, like, uh, rolled up against each other so the, the lead vehicle couldn't get out, and all of a sudden they started throwing, like, Molotov cocktails at it. That lit off, killed all seven of the Army guys inside that vehicle. I, I mean, it was, it was just insane. Like, that deployment was absolutely... Um, out of all the deployments I've ever been on and talked to people about, I just mentioned the 05 deployment and they're just like, God. I mean, it was just hell. Um, yeah, man. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's it, a lot of guys to lose. Yeah. And, and the majority <laughs> of them all happened right around uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And then of course, you know, you oh, lose, good Lord. you, you lose the last one, you know, three weeks before, no, uh, about a month before we're, you know, the advanced party is leaving. And this guy, his name was Conley. He, uh, his wife was due like two days before we were supposed to be back or something like that. And then there was a guy whose wife was due like two weeks before we got back. So they sent him in place. That guy was like, cool. You know, like he was a good uh, leader of Marines, went out on another patrol, that last patrol. And, and that was it. His number was up. It mm-hmm. killed him and the Lieutenant, um, you know, during the rip, the right seat, left seat thing. And they, they stopped to check radios and they stopped right on top of a buried IED. They never saw it. And um, so they took them out and it, it's just like that deployment was, it, it was crazy. But, um, you know, then we returned back from that deployment back to good old stumps. There was no, um, there was no change of scenery. I mean, it was desert to desert. It was like, okay, cool. You know, um, about, oh, I don't know, six maybe four months now the stumps months. doesn't seem so bad you know no. in comparison right shit no, the stumps was a, a landmine or i mean a jackpot <laughs> yeah. we were like man, right this is, man look at all this beautiful scenery we got walmart <laughs> and applebee's and uh, right an hour down the hill to palm springs it was the greatest thing ever Fucking don't have to eat mre 15 yeah. again you know <laughs> they... mm. and so about four months after being back I told my wife, it, I was, I was struggling. Like I couldn't sleep. I was drinking every night, uh, you know, uh, which was par for course. I mean, everyone was doing the same thing. Everyone was like showing up still drunk. I mean, no one was sleeping. Everyone was just, I mean, the, the, 
anyone who said, oh, I didn't have issues, I was fine, full of shit, you know, like, <laughs> they, they were clearly, like, everyone was suffering, but no one was going to be that person, because you didn't want to be that right. person. You yeah. wanted to stay with your guys, redeploy, you didn't want to, the stigma was real, even though um, people will swear up and down, oh, there's no such stigma, it's like, you're, you, you're obviously not in the military, you know, and uh, especially during that time, 03 through uh, like 2010, really, Iraq and Afghanistan yeah, was heavy. like, it, it was just brutal over there. Yeah. And uh, it just never let up. So we, um, about four months in, I told my wife, I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is stupid. And um, she's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you guys just got back. You're not deploying for another year again. I said, well, you know, it's uh, March, April, May, Ju July. And there was a, the battalion that got back, you know, a, a few months before we did was getting set to deploy in January. So I jumped, jumped battalions, jumped ship, joined them. And we deployed back to Fallujah in 07. Um, that deployment wasn't as bad as far as like total death. I, I think we lost eight uh, eight and like wounded 25 or 30 or something like that. But yeah, Fallujah has always been a brutal place, man. Yeah. Fallujah I mean, was garbage. Very brutal for the, yeah. For, uh, the Marine count, man. I know we, uh, lost a lot of people in Fallujah. Yeah. Fallujah was, um, in 07. We, uh, the hardest part about that deployment was I was already jaded. Cause I was just like, man, this here we go again. You know, another deployment. Yeah. Uh, thank God the 05 deployment was the rainy season. Uh, so it was cold through all the major holidays, through the wedding anniversary, wife's birthday, um, uh, like all that stuff. And it was cold yeah. and wet. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Till you're freezing your ass off in a, you know, an abandoned building. You're like, because you're soaking wet. Well, in Fallujah was the summertime. And as you know, it was like the oven just, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, got on it turns, the it, that, that switch turns quick, yeah, like overnight, it seems. Uh, damn, yeah, like in March when we came back, March of 06, it was like you know, 80s, 90s. It was like, okay, this is you know, summer weather, it's fine. Getting off the plane in Kuwait in uh January, it was a little cold, but damn, it, as soon as like that May time frame hit, ugh, mm -hmm. uh, they just, just cranked it, and I'm like, ooh. Um, but the hard thing for that was, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, family stuff. Like my wife's grandfather passed away, a lot of family issues, you know, a lot of stuff. Trying to deal with deployment and back home was, was impossible, you know. Well, that's uh, why the Marines always had a saying. If they wanted you to have a, uh, a wife or a family, they would have issued you one. Yeah. You know because what I mean? It, and, and thank God you guys were able to make it through, man, because so many marriages oh, yeah. fail especially but, during deployments no you know absolutely. I mean? especially the way you have a strong woman absolutely so, especially yeah. with all the drinking and all the, the 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 horrible dumb stuff that i was doing you know and, not only uh, that too but when you come back man i mean you're different <clears throat> than when she you know before you left you know i mean each deployment too is that you know you come back it, it's gonna change you Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. And she, she says each time I came back, she's like, I got more hollow-eyed, and yeah. and it only got worse as time went Lost on. Lost that smile in your eye, type. Oh yeah, yeah, I was just, I was cut off. I was like, I don't, I don't even care anymore. You know, it's like whatever. Right. 
Um, but toward the end of the 07 deployment, I was, uh, came to the realization, I'm like, damn, I told my wife we'd stay in until I retired. I'm about at the end of my enlistment. Just went through these two deployments. I'm like, God, I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't know if I can do this much more. And we talked and, you know, I, I was like, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's go another round. And so I re-enlisted over in Iraq, but I got to lat move to be a helicopter door gunner crew chief on the, uh, the Huey helicopters, which was now I was leaving the stumps going to camp Pendleton. So I went from sand dunes to beach dunes with the ocean right there. I was like, okay, this is life. You know, this is cool. Uh, I'm not hiking, you know, humping up those steep Hills with the 80 pound packs and, you know, killing my back and knees. Um, I'll beat up my knees and back by bending and twisting and, you know, doing the maintenance work on the helicopters and, all that stuff, but I didn't have to walk anywhere. I just jump on the helicopter and away we go. But, uh, so that was a great time learning that job, you know, by this point, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to hide how I was really doing before. Um, because once I graduated crew chief school, I actually went to the same, um, helicopter squadron that supported us in 2005. They were the ones who lost that Cobra and we were um, we were doing the um, yeah. Now we would be flying in support of all the infantry units that I was with once we deployed to Afghanistan, um, which was in 2010. Which that was right through the middle of the uh, May through November. So we cooked, and then it got like it was 100 degrees on Thursday. It was 30 degrees on Friday. It was stupid how quickly it, it changed. <laughs> um, right. <clears throat> so, but we're still flying, you know, like freezing. Um, and we flew, we got shut down by the general at 9,700 hours, uh, 9,700 flight hours in seven months. The general's like, you guys are done. Um, and there hasn't been a squadron that's <clears throat> gotten close to that since. Uh, but we were flying like four or five missions a day uh, in support of the, the infantry guys on the ground. Uh we supported the Georgians, the Brits, the uh, the Italians. You know, they had those uh, Anglico guys out there with them. <clears throat> and we would talk to them. Uh, you know, in, in the book, uh, I talk about a 4th fourth of July incident recon was like pinned down and we flew over their shoulder and lit up the, um, you know, killed all the enemy and, you know, 4th of July, you know, what could be better. Um, there's a photo in the book of us holding uh, an American flag back on the fight line. Um, and you know, the pilots and the other crew chief, we just kind of took a, a, a photo and we, uh, we ended up, uh, I, we had one Cobra, uh, crash. So we lost two and then we had a pilot shot, um, and he had to leave, but he, he made it, he was fine. So that wasn't nearly as bad as the infantry stuff. <clears throat> but when I got back, my wife and I were both like, yeah, we need a break. Like this deployments are brutal. Like I, I need yeah. to throttle back and so as i'm sitting there like okay how can maybe i can go to like crew chief school be an instructor you know kind of lay back and stay stateside for a while um talking to the career planner everything was going good and he called me in he thinking hey you're gonna get to re-enlist um he called me in and said you're on the hit list you're going on recruiting duty i'm like what <laughs> I, I, was, I was like are you mm. kidding me you know, three deployments and now you're going to put me on recruiting duty. What the fuck? So I was like, okay. Um, 
you know, and I, I leave that office on like heads down. I'm like, fuck, run into the sergeant major. And he's like, uh, you know what a uh, staff sergeant select is? And at the time, I'm like, I wanted to be a sergeant major. I don't give a shit. Like, what do you, I was like, no, sergeant major, what? He's like, a sergeant, but congratulations, you're selected. I'm like, awesome. So I ended up going to recruiting school the first day, pinning on staff sergeant. Uh, so that was cool. But, um, you know, did recruiting duty um, for two years and all the infantry stuff caught up um, out there running the pulleys one day and all of a sudden the back seized up down. I went um, and I knew like uh, and then everything just started falling apart. Like the um, my wife went through a mi- you know, we went through a miscarriage, the uh. recruiting duty, the infantry stuff, the PTSD started coming back into full force, drinking every night. I was just like, oh, my God, I need. And I finally told um, the command, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm I'm at the wit. I don't know. Like, I'm uh, we ended up passing a vehicle uh, pulling, you know, driving a bunch of uh, like destroyed Humvees down the highway. And I saw it and I just freaked out, cranked the heater all the way up. I thought I was I was freezing cold. Um, and my wife was like, yeah, we're going to get you help. And there was a lot of struggle. Um dealing with the command because they were, you know, career recruiters, been on recruiting duty for 18 years, never deployed once, you know, and they're trying to say, Oh, you don't have this. You don't have that. You're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, these, you know, so, um, but I kind of go into that a little bit in the book, you know, and it's, uh, but luckily I got to um, come out to the wounded warrior battalion out here in San Antonio, uh, did a back surgery, sinus surgery, uh, knee shots, knee injections, uh, back injection, just everything, trying to put myself back together. And they, um, they finally Little decided. Ten man, sheesh, man, you know? Oh yeah. Like, it, it's, um, but, but thankfully, you know, after the surgeries and about two years of uh, being uh, like in the medical status, I guess, uh, you know, we ended up losing uh, two, two Marines uh, to suicide. They killed themselves while I was there and I'm just like, Oh my God. Like it, it just, and I just said to myself, I was like, this is the stigma. Like people don't want to get help. They would rather do this. And it, it's, you know, a temporary solution, but it's a permanent solution for them, you know? And I'm just like, God. And I told my wife, I was like, it's time, it's time to go. And sure enough, not, not long after the second Marine uh, ended up dying, they, uh, said, Hey, you're going to medically retire. You're done. And I said, Oh, perfect. Let's go. Um, you know, getting out, I was, I was excited. I'm like, yes, I'm out. I'm done with the Marine Corps. I'm now no before they got you out though. Did they do any kind of, um, mental health type of stuff like to help you guys transition out? I mean, cause they, man, you have many combat tours. Did you have already by the time you were getting ready to go out? Uh, or three, three. Yeah. 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 The 05, 07, 2010 uh, in Afghanistan deployments. And they, I went through sort of mental health stuff, but my wife, uh, who became a full time caregiver, because I wasn't allowed to drive until my back surgery, because my foot was jerking and um, all this other stuff and all my PTSD and drinking and blah, blah. She ended up uh, <laughs> right. uh, like, you know, committing suicide. And thankfully, she, um, you know, the ambulance got there in time and they were able to, you know, get her in treatment and she got the help she needed. 
um, but she mm. just broke. Um, and so, um, you know, when we were in the process of going through an adoption at that point, well, that got shut down really quick. Um, it, it, it was just crazy, you know? And so there wasn't any real like treatment because I kind of did the Marine thing. I was like, you know what? My stuff will wait. I need to focus on my wife. I'm going to, so I nothing's wrong with me anyways. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm good. There's nothing wrong <laughs> right, with I'm me. Good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up, Oh God, the stupid. So you're not man. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And you know, I got out and I was like, yes, I can't wait to be out. But as soon as I left that gate, I was like, shit, now what am I going to do? I don't have to be in formation. I don't have to get a haircut. I don't have to, nothing. I mean, I mean I'm my own person again. Like, this is weird. And so uh, went through a few different jobs and, you know, doing different things. Um, but finally found the um, calling to be a case manager with the Veterans Treatment Court, which is basically, uh, you know, we take them from jail for, you know, nonviolent offenses, like, you know, assault, DWIs, the guys who are, you know, combat related, their PTSD is obvious. Um, and we put them in a one year treatment track. They have to attend treatment. They have to do everything that they would normally do on probation. Um, they met with the judge uh, twice a month, you know, all that stuff. It was regiment, like super regimented, but if they passed it at the end they would, um, their case would be dismissed and expunged off their record. So a complete brand new fresh start, um, which was amazing. And um, weirdly enough too, that all, I started that job uh, three weeks before the COVID lockdown happened. So I basically learned that job from the kitchen table. Um, and now I am a, um, I left that job after two and a half years. And now I work for the county helping veterans who are transitioning out of the military or guys who, you know, Vietnam, Korea, whatever, uh, they come to us and we help them do their VA claims and get them, uh, you know, the rating and the help and stuff like that, that they need. And, and, and so far it's, it's been, um, it's been amazing. I started in January and I think I'm right now at three, 300 and something veterans helped. Um, I mean, we just do like, five a day. And I, I love the job. I mean, it's, it's It doesn't stop from eight to five. I mean, it's just, it's nonstop, but I absolutely love it. Cause I know like the chaos of the VA. I know the rating stuff. I know the, uh, you know, a lot of the deployment stuff, I get it. And when they come in and they're like, you know, you, they're beat down. They've been denied by the VA 10 times and yeah. you know, they come see us and we have them, you know, done in an hour and then 30 days later they get approved and they're like, damn, I should have come and see you guys a long time ago. And get it. You guys are advocates and yeah. Yeah. We're That's advocates awesome. and we can call the VA on their behalf so they don't have to deal with the That's VA. Outstanding. Uh, so I absolutely love it, you know? And um, yeah, so that's kind of been a uh, me in a nutshell. Um, and it's been a, uh, it's just been a wild ride since 2000. God, I don't know. 2004 when I came back in to, to now it's just it's been uh just one thing after the other one uh crazy adventure after the other and it's uh yeah and here we are so i think you know what happens to a lot of military members um is that uh they kind of have identity crisis a little bit when they get out right yeah very it's, much. it's 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 uh like oh shit what do i do now 
Like yeah. it's over. Like it's over. You know those those paychecks every two weeks. You know <laughs> that stops. You know what I mean. And uh, having a place to go, making sure there's you know meals and all that stuff. Like now it's like oh, and that's where I think a lot of these guys fall flat, man, is because some of them you know they don't know what to do next and they lose that camaraderie right away. Yeah. You know you go from having this core thing every single day, day in, day out. And then yeah. boom, all of a sudden you're back into your realities of how it used to be. And then you kind of, you, you get, you had an identity, you, you, the Marine Corps or whatever branch you may be in kind of established a new identity for you. Once you kind of went through boot camp, and then you started meeting friends and then you went out into the fleet and then boom, you, you started hanging out with a different group. And I think you start really gathering your, your identity. And then once you go out, man, boom, that's stripped of you again. And now you're like, oh, my gosh, what do that I do one. now? How yeah. does this translate to civilian life? And, uh, you know, so a lot of people out there, if you're you're, you're thinking about joining, just make sure you, you kind of think about what the what next yeah. um, type of deal. Absolutely. Because you know, there's always going to be a what next. Um, and yep. even if you think you're a lifer, there's a light, you know, the Marine Corps or any other branch of service, they have a time limit. Yeah, and then there's the what next. Yep, exactly. And if you're not prepared for it, that what next is going to, you know, be right there waiting to beat you to your knees. And it's, um, but yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden I, uh, you know, besides doing this, you know, ended up with a book. Um, and that was by accident. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's was, talk about your book more. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, during COVID, um, starting to learn that new job. Uh, my TBIs were acting up and I was starting to lose, lose the memories. And yep, there it is. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, started writing out stories, like just journaling. And my wife's like, Oh, you should send it to, uh, you know, um, a publisher and see if they publish it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like who the hell wants to read another war book? You know, like, and she's like, yeah, but yours is not just a war book. Uh, and that was my biggest push for this. I wanted to share, you know, what happens on the deployments. I mean, I didn't, definitely didn't want to write another war book. There's 200 on the shelf at Barnes & Noble right now, I bet, that talk about Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam. War, that, there's a million of them. But what was amazing is there was not a book like this where it talks about the deployment, but what happens to the service member, the family, the loved ones, the friends when they get back. Uh, from the deployment and the drinking and the isolating and the, you know, then the washing machine effect, go on another deployment, go on another deployment, go on another deployment. And, and that was really what my, the motivation for this book was, is I wanted to kind of give a, this is what I went through. I hit rock bottom a million times, probably. I don't know, but I wanted to share the good, the bad and the ugly with people to help them understand their loved ones. Maybe they don't understand why man, my brother, sister, dad, mom, whatever deployed. And now they're like, they don't want to do anything. They're drinking. They're hiding out in their room. They're not, they're not doing anything. And I wanted to kind of like open people's eyes to the, you know, this is why, but also don't wait, uh, you know, 15 years before you actually get help, you know, ignore the stigma of, you know, uh, and, and my favorite line in the whole book is it's okay. Uh, it's okay to not be okay. 
you know, there's no way you're going to go through anything in the military or as a first responder or a doctor, a nurse. I mean, during COVID, for God's sake, like I can't even imagine, you know, or during 9-11, during the Oklahoma City bombings. I ask military guys all the time, like, yeah, I shouldn't I shouldn't be having, you know, issues based on the deployment. I said, well, what about the firefighters at 9-11? What about the firefighters and the EMTs and stuff at Oklahoma bombing? What about the nurses and doctors during COVID when they were losing people like that? I was like, is it okay for them to be not okay, like to have issues? Well, yeah. Then why isn't it okay for you? And usually when I ask that question, quiet as a church mouse, they have nothing because they, it's just the reality. Like if you're not bothered by that kind of stuff, uh, they've got plenty of jails. Go check yourself in because you're, you're the next Charles Manson. You're a psychopath and you need to, and I think the biggest thing with the suicide rate, the, you know, with all the different um, occupations is the, the first step I think is truly normalizing it and making it okay to talk about because it's still to this day, which it, it kills me because guys in Vietnam, I mean, how they came back, people spit, yeah. you know, all that stuff that was in the sixties. And we're still not the, the protests and the spitting on this, you know, soldiers and all that stuff, you know, today, but all those guys coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan thinking we're all invincible. Like, how can we not learn in 40 years? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, like the, you know, learn from history or you're doing to repeat it. Well, guess what, America, we're repeating it again, you know? Um, and that's why the suicide rate's so high. So I really think normalizing it and and being able to talk about it and, and really swallowing your pride, you know, like yeah. <clears throat> I I swallowing my pride was like swallowing cement mix. But once I got that and got out of that cloud that I was like living in and mi- being miserable, you know, uh, helping it's a mindset, vets. man. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, sorry to cut you kind of off, but, you know, the thing about this is, is that the sooner that you can get attention to it, I can just <clears throat> speak for a little bit from um, experience. Um, I disconnected from family members, friends. I've lost a lot of relationships. And it was all due to being unstable, having a bad mindset, wasn't able to react to situations in a, in a, in a healthy manner due to being in a bad mindset. Had I kind of worked on myself more during, uh, you know, earlier in times, I could have saved probably some relationship. I could probably have saved, you know, some friendships and things of oh, that nature. Sure. Um, had I, you know, swallowed a little bit of the pride and said, you know what, all right, uh, maybe, maybe it's me, <laughs> you know, and then kind of <laughs> owning some shit, you know, and yep. saying, my gosh, maybe a little bit is me, you know what I mean? And then, and, uh, owning your part of the matter too and just addressing it. And, and I mean, I think, I think the things are getting better. We did, you and I came from an era of uh, kind of take a straw, suck it up, you know? And uh, that mentality is starting to show, you know, that during times when like people have uh, uh, struggles in their marriages or relationships, you can see the fallout from, and they lose it. They completely lose it. I've I've lost it, you yeah. know, due to having divorce and and 
and having to have a, uh, you know, a schedule with my kids. My gosh, man, that set me off in a tailspin of yeah. things because I just went and I wasn't healthy right to begin with. But, you know, yeah. the military, as much as I love, you know, being a part of it, something I think they lack in of is when when you're leaving, they don't really care about you leaving, you know, because you're yeah. not really doing the service for them no more. So, you know, they're just like, send you on your way. You know what I mean? And here you go with a baggage of shit that you don't even know what's in this bag. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, navigating through life. And then all of a sudden shit starts popping up at you out of this bag. You're like, what the hell? You know, what is this? <laughs> you know, and then you start to realize and you start to talk to other people and friends that gone through the same thing. And you're like, oh, sheesh, man, yeah, I got it, PTSD or I got, you know, uh, social anxiety or whatever. It's just. It's, it's never ending, you know, and. Um, but yeah, and, and that's really what, uh, you know, the the, um, the book is about. And, you know, now my uh, my wife is, uh, you know, rock star in it. She works out at a, a ranch and she helps military vets and families and she's a therapist now. You know, it's all about paying it forward, you know, and, and that's what um, our goal was with the book as well. You know, like use our use our examples of what not to do and right. that way you can save yourself years and years of um frustration like a through z i mean there's just so much and it's been amazing you know with the book and we uh we hear great um comments there's uh i think 30 something on amazon or something like that but it's uh it's more of those phone calls you know talking with people in Australia or talking with people in Great Britain or talking with you on these podcasts, you know, it, it's just like so many people who have read the book and, and the, the, uh, the thoughts of what, you know, the book and people are like, Oh yeah, I sat down and read it cover to cover in the first day and you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I wish it took me a day to write it, you know, but um, it, it's just, it's amazing to hear all the people's thoughts on it and, you know, and a lot of people are like, you know, it's about time someone wrote a book like this. Cause, and that was, again, my biggest worry. I was like, man, I don't want to write another war book. There's just, nobody wants to read another war book, you know, there's, or another movie, another war movie. I mean, soul survivor, you know, sniper, all those things. And it's just like, God almighty. And, but so far it's, it's really helped a lot of people. It's brought families back together it's provided, you know, gave people an understanding of what, what it is and what really happens, not the, the Hollywood portrayal of, Oh, you know, they all come back happy yep. and they're all, you know, when they drop their uh, rifle off and then they're, you know, fortune 500 CEOs and everything's great and life is perfect. And it's like, yeah, no, not exactly. Not even close, right. you know, yep. and it's, um, you know, it really opens people's eyes too. you know, uh, I had a, a, a friend who was a, a, a helicopter mechanic in the 2010 deployment. And he said, you know, reading your book, he's like, I, I'm like a war history buff and all that other stuff. And he's like, but reading your book, he's like, I had no idea what happens outside of the, the, the flight line. You know, we'd stay on this big air base. You know, we had no idea what happens outside of that fence. And he's like, reading that book was wow. So I, I really encourage anyone, you know, who's interested in that type of uh, 
stuff and really to learn, you know, about their family, friends, whatever, you know, go, go to the link, uh, check out the book. Uh, please leave a review. I love the star ratings, but please write something, even if, you know, the book sucks or the book is great or whatever, just write something, um, you know, that, you know, that way it kind of helps others, you know, take that flyer, uh, to get the book. Um, and it's available, you know, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, uh, audiobook. If you don't like reading like me, I'd let someone read it to you. Um, you know, Kindle, Kindle. if you like yeah. Kindle, all that stuff. It's, it's, yep. it's everywhere. Um, and if you Google, um, tear to triumph, uh, with my name, it'll pop up on like seven Google pages worth of hits and all the locations that it's sold uh, all over Australia, overseas, um, just everywhere. So, uh, and then if you know somebody, refer the book to them too. So more the merrier. And, you know, it's, uh, and I think that's going to be the step in normalizing um, a lot of stuff is to really get that firsthand firsthand perspective of what it really was or is or, you know, before the next war, because, if it doesn't stop, it's going to be a repeat of what we just did the last 20 years. And, and that would be a shame. Yep. And, and, you know, in, uh, that's something about the podcast that I've really tried to enhance as well is bringing out and normalizing these stories because my gosh, man, there's, there's tons of, of veterans out there that all have a different story and, and, and whether it be combat related or support related, there's always been, you know, um, something to learn from each and every person. And mm-hmm. and you never know what story or what you're saying can help. And I mean, that's, we got to get to normalizing, talking about some of our past or some of that sometimes, not just shoving it away because there's things that people can learn from as well. And what you're going through and how did you manage to pull yourself out of those dark areas or, you know, and how crucial it is having like a very close either committee, I mean, committee or uh, support um, or community. It was what I meant to say committee. Yeah. Um, but you know, like a community of people of that's just going to build you up and, and uh, you know, help you get through your times, you know, whether that even be your spouse or, or someone, just there's got to be you have to have a good support nucleus yeah. and, and, and through a lot of this stuff and and thinking i'll be all right by myself nope your your, <laughs> your, your mind could get you you know what i mean uh i, I know and I, I know for myself i can i can definitely mind fuck myself you know mm-hmm. definitely in the, in any situation oh 100 percent. and it's just it's there's so many stories out there you know it's just um you know and, and just and the worst, the worst thing too, is like comparing like the, um, the stories, you know, like, oh man, there's, and, and I've heard people doing VA claims for these people. They're like, oh man, I come in and you've deployed all these times. You've got Marine Corps crap all over your wall and this, that, and the other thing, you got the big recon scout sniper flag behind you. And here I am just do it. It's like, no, no. If you were hurt in the military and you deployed, whether you were, you know, now it's certain people come in and I'm like, okay, dude, really, you know, like you were, you swiped ID cards at the chow hall, like get, get that, you know, tonight it's cool. You know, you got ringing ears from being on the rough range, get out, you know? Uh, and then you get those other guys that come through and you're just like, God, you know, um, we had, um, 
a person that we knew who uh, who got to stay in just got promoted to Gunny, lost both of his legs, and he's um, and he's still doing it. Just picked up Gunny, and he's. I mean, it's you can be uh, if some if you can get out of your own way and accept the help and build yourself back up with the community, like you said, uh, the sky's the limit. You know, I was uh, told um, as I was getting out by a. Uh, uh, neuropsych doctor um, due to the TBIs in your brain being all scrambled like eggs um, you know you're not going to hold down a job don't bother uh, education you're never going to be in a full-time uh, relationship well my wife and I have been together you know forever it seems uh, uh, you know almost 24 years got a master's degree in forensic psychology and I've been working pretty much ever since I, I got out so um, I guess, you know, those doctors and, you know, stop telling people what they can't do and start telling them what they can do. And then I think it will, it'll better, uh, that transition as well. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot. And like you said, don't think, you know, on Friday, whoo, I know exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow. When you leave that gate and that door shuts for the last time and that paycheck goes bleep, like re- reality's there to say hello. Yeah. And you yeah. better be ready, um, yeah. or it's going to be uh, that, that you're going to hear some other doors slamming shut, and then you're really going to be in a world of hurt, you know. And it's just, it's, uh, but yeah, it's been a wild ride, you know, ever since uh, Texas State Trooper days, 2003 to to even today. It's just like, whew. Um, and you know, and who knows? Yeah, what's man, you happen. definitely. Uh, Live life in the fast lane, bro. You're a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, to say the least. You know what I mean? And that's why, you know, someone like you, they ain't going to stop you, man. Like, listen to your resume. There's no stopping, Chris, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. And then, uh, you know, the we were talking about it earlier, too. The, um, you know, the LLC is up and running, and we're going to, you know, run with that. My uh, The plan is to have that be an umbrella, and my wife wants to start a private practice to help military spouses. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's who knows what tomorrow's going to bring. I mean, it's going to Yeah, elaborate be, a little bit more on that. That was, uh, you know, about the mm-hmm. LLC and stuff. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's going to be uh, the same title of the book, Tear to Triumph LLC. Uh, we're going to get that up and running and, you know, do shirts and merchandise and, what you know, artics and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and it's uh, then eventually what's... Uh, once everything gets established, we're going to use it as an umbrella company because, you know, something that um, we noticed and my wife's super passionate about is um, the caregivers that take care of all of us as we're going through our stupid phases, you know, we like to call it. Um, you know, there's there's a million assets out there for um, veterans and active duty military people, but the caregivers, the ones who, uh, like my wife, you know, who had to be a caregiver with me for so long there there's nothing there there's no i mean there's like transitional let's help them get jobs or whatever but there's no like mental health groups or support and that's her passion and that's what she's going to start up as part of the llc you know so that's going to get up and running and uh yeah I, I mean just who knows who knows what's next you know maybe maybe the book will turn into a movie who knows you know it's no uh, man yeah, absolutely sky's the limit yeah and it's uh but yeah so it's just uh 
yeah, I, I don't know. It's just been a wild ride and it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's, what happens next and what's, uh, what's around the corner. That's great, man. That's great. And, uh, so, uh, what do you do on your free time, man? Um, well, right now, um, it's hard to say because the knees are, uh, you know, kind of going to be a deciding factor. I go back at the end of the month and do some uh, gel injections to hopefully, uh, mm. get me through, um, you know, the season. Cause I'm a, um, college football official and a high school football official here in Texas. I got to run up and down them sidelines, huh? Yeah. With all these little young bucks. I think the older I get, the, the faster they get. Them um, dudes are fast too. <laughs> Aerobreds. They're like, <laughs> like they start running. I'm just like, yeah, no, yeah. there's no way. Texas uh, football is pretty big there too, huh? Yeah, big high old, school like, football. Um, yeah, like little monster tackles. You know, just monsters running like, you know, like linebacker speed. I'm just like, God, mighty. Like, <laughs> um, and here I am, but it's, um, you know, so we'll see how the knees hold up. Uh, you know, I'm gonna try and take it easy, but got to stay active. Um, you know, when it's not um, an oven outside, you know, my wife and I love to jump on the motorcycle and go for a ride and um, just that two wheel therapy, wind in the hair, um, you know, all that stuff. I just put out um, or just uploaded to uh, Kindle, the KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing or whatever, um, a book, about a 42 page book of um, different uh, like military and civilian and everything in between poems that I had written out. And so that's going to be out. Um, hopefully, I don't know, maybe next week, a couple weeks. Um, Dang man. So it's just, it's, it, you I never know what way. you're going to get with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you never yeah. know what's next, man. Yeah. You, Dang. Just, you don't. And so it's, uh, hopefully the next thing is, uh, that gel injection will, will help. And, the heat will decrease and then I can go and start swinging the golf clubs again and just, uh, you know, doing that. But for now, um, yeah, now just helping veterans and helping, you know, people, uh, process the VA stuff and, um, you know, deal with that, that monster in itself. And that's, that's a never ending thing. That's a bureaucracy all in its own. Um, but I'm just glad to be an advocate, glad to do, uh, you know, do what I do and help people out. And it's, um, yeah, no, just giving back. It's all about giving back. Man, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to, you know, share your story, share your experiences with us. Is there uh, anything else you want to share with us? Any last thoughts or something, anything you want to say? No, I, I, th I think, uh, you know, everything's out there. Please, um, anyone who's listening, go, uh, you know, um, pick up a book, read the book, pass it along. Uh, if you're having issues, talk to somebody. Uh, don't think you're the only one because <laughs> I can promise you and everyone else who's probably listening to this can promise anyone else, um, you know, you're not alone. It's not a you against the world. It's unless you want it to be. And then if you want it to be, then there's, there's, there's a whole lot of other trauma you're going to experience, uh, but you don't need to. Uh, but yeah, please, you know, go pick up the book. Um, uh, spread the word and, uh, you know, just put one foot in front of the other and, and, you know, go from there. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Like I said, thank you for coming on taking the time and sharing your story and your experiences. And uh, if you could just hold tight, we'll uh, make yeah. sure we got a recording, but okay. thanks again, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man.
All right, friends and fam. Well, that wraps up another great episode, another great interview. If you guys could like, share the show, that would be awesome. Also, if you guys are listening to it on Spotify or Apple or wherever you may be listening to it, if you guys want to join me on Wacky Wednesdays over on YouTube, I will always be live from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. That specific standard time. And uh, just come over and hang out and uh, have a good time. I hope you guys have a great one. And until next time, Arr.